Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Yeah, today's an exciting day. Hallelujah. This is a miracle. Literally, like, nobody's renting out conference rooms right now. And they talk to the owner, and they're like, yeah, we'll make this happen. And so just like thing after thing, there was so much spiritual warfare for today. Like, we're on plan E. A, B, C, D, and then E. And so God is faithful. He really cares about what's going to happen today. We're celebrating baptisms today. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so as a family, um, we just really celebrate with those who have really considered um, what it looks like in light of who Jesus is. And the invitation, the proposal to follow him and consider leaving our old life and following him, counting the cost, like this is what it's going to cost, and saying, Lord, I trust you. Even if I don't understand, I'm going to be obedient to following you. We're going to celebrate those making that commitment today. And baptism is just a great um, symbol of burying that old man and then being raised back to life in that new man. So that's what we have to look forward. A couple announcements, though, before we do um, move forward. I want to share with you, we have... Uh, just things coming up, and we have a cool resource uh, for those things. It's not a show stuff. It's just stuff in our nation. And I hear a lot of people talk about politics. I'm not going to up here to talk about politics by any means. But the Bible does say pray for your leaders, right? I hear a lot of people complaining or you know, or not complaining or maybe sharing their, their political stance. Hallelujah. But uh, the Bible doesn't talk much about that. But what it does talk about is praying for your leaders. So we have this guide out here, and it's scriptures on what to pray over your leaders and where the Bible does talk about that. So I encourage you to grab these on your way out and really begin praying. Not that our will be done, but God's will is done. And just trust God in this season. And uh, we want to be people of prayer. Hallelujah. As we grow in Christ. Um, Another quick announcement is that right after this uh, service and baptisms, we're going to be celebrating here with a big Ohana lunch service. And we have Penn Station coming again. Nobody's getting tired of Penn Station, are they? <laughs> oh, yeah, Penn Station's like the bomb. Hallelujah. So we're, uh, we're going to eat together, fellowship, celebrate those that are getting baptized today, and just celebrate uh, what God's doing in their lives and just everywhere. He is sovereign. And we're actually going to talk about that today, but before we jump into anything, let's just pray again, because we need prayer. I need lots of it. I need lots of bread. So Lord, Abba Papa, we just love you. We praise you. God, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our focus. Jesus, said, Jesus you said, apart from you, we can do nothing. And I thank you for that invitation to be with you. God, we want to lean on you. We want to be weak. And let you be strong in us, God. Let us be Christ-centered and Christ-strong. Lord, we pray for um, all of our guests that are joining us. We welcome them and we love them and we thank you that they're visiting for the first time today. Lord, bless them and bless uh, their time here with friends and, and family or just even if they're the first time here. I pray that they get a beautiful picture of your love and your family today. Lord, we pray that you would pour out uh, your love Pour out your, your power. Strengthen us today, Holy Spirit. We pray this not just for H2O, but for all the campus ministries at Wright State University. Lord, we pray that for um, all of our partner churches in the surrounding uh, area. And we pray that for all of our churches around the world, your church. 
um, around the world worshiping you today, our persecuted brothers and sisters. Be with them today. Comfort them. Strengthen them as well. And uh, we thank you that you're being glorified um, as we follow you and say yes to you, no matter what our circumstance looks like. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word this morning. And um, we look forward to what you have to share. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, we've been talking about a uh, kingdom culture. We've been on a series. Uh, we've, we've transitioned to house churches. So for our guests, I, I do welcome you. Um, I know we have people from out of town. Welcome. Uh, we're really excited about what God's doing. We're simply a community church, and we have a mission field. It's Wright State University. That's our focus. We typically hold services on campus, uh, but due to COVID, we're not there right now. And uh, we're, we're doing a house church model. It's been a lot of fun and a great way to still gather in a family-sized unit and still fellowship. And then once a month, we gather together in something called an Ohana service. And you happen to be at that service today. And so uh, this is just a great family reunion for everybody to come together and really just realize what a treasure it is to gather together like this. Sometimes we take it for granted, but this is a beautiful opportunity. Um, I think this is something we've recognized as we started uh, as we begin to do house churches over this semester. Um, yeah, so back to kingdom culture. Jesus introduced a specific culture to the world. His kingdom culture. His love to the rest of the world. He modeled us new for us new ways. We were to mirror Christ as he introduced a whole new way of life. In fact, when it says um, dead to us and alive in Christ, that means we're to follow and mirror Jesus Christ, right? And so when we get saved, we're saying, we're not just saying, God, help me and help my ways and, and me doing things. And, and, and Lord, just why don't you follow me and do what I want? No, we're saying, rescue me. I recognize my brokenness and whatever I do, it leads to more brokenness. It leads to death. I can't get out of this. I can't escape it. And the sooner you see the flaw in mankind, the quicker you're going to be to repent and cry out. Desire, like to turn to something else that has hope. And Jesus Christ is the only thing that we can turn to, the only one we can turn to. it. The only one who makes sense to follow, who can forgive us of our sins and provide us a new way. And this new way is his kingdom culture. So we've been discussing pieces of this kingdom culture and what it looks like to now no longer walk in our old culture, but now walk in this new identity, this new culture of Jesus. And for Ohana services, we've been highlighting this, this word called agape love. And so there are multiple um, Greek words for love, but Jesus' love is characterized by agape. Not brotherly love, not uh, romantic love, not a family love, anything like that. It is an unselfish love. But it's so easy to say unselfish love and, and like, yeah, it's unselfish. But what does that really mean? We quickly just go through a word and, and pass by and like, yeah, it's unselfish. But what does that really mean? I mean, that, we want to know everything about Jesus, right? I want to know everything about my babylicious babe, my wife. I desire to know everything about her. I want to know. I pursue that. But even more so, I desire to pursue God. I want to know everything about him. So let's talk a little bit about more, more about this agape love. So far, we've talked about how agape love is courageous. 
We've talked about how agape love is sacrificial. And today we're going to talk about how agape love is generous. You see, the Bible starts and ends with an intimate, generous love of God. I mean, he, he's, it's just, even in Genesis, this small world, like we just pass over so quick. God made the heavens and the earth. Like the heavens and the earth. So generous. We're like one galaxy in how many galaxies? How many people out there know space? You know, like, what is it? Like 100 galaxies? It's, it's crazy. Most of those stars we see up there are galaxies. God's generous. There's like over 100 varieties of orchids out there. Like how many leaves? Like colors of leaves and stuff. God just loves variety. He is so generous with everything that he does. We see this amazing generous God in creation. We see it in grace and mercy. Wow. We were just talking to our family about what grace and mercy is and hope was, was like, she just defined it really well. I'm probably still going to butcher it, but you know, it was grace is being the gift, gift, being given a gift that we don't deserve. We are saved by grace. We don't deserve grace. But we are saved by it through faith. Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He is gracious to give us things. He says, ask for wisdom. I'll give it to you. Jesus says, your fathers know how to give good things. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give? But see, our, our love is defined by these sincere, uh, um, just very emotional moments. But God's love is defined by serving a perfect servant. And we see that in Jesus Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 13 when you read about his love there. I would like everybody to turn their Bibles to Zephaniah 3, 17. We're going to kick off there to really see this uh, love characterized. Um, we see this grace. He is, the Bible says he is uh, like uh, his, we are, his rich, rich in grace, and then abundant in mercy. No, rich in mercy and abundant in grace. That's it. So mercy is not withholding the punishment, withholding the thing you do deserve, the, the payment you do deserve, which ours, the wages of death is what? Or wages of sin is what? Death. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it's a, it's a miracle. I've had coffee. Thank you, John. So starting a kickstart. Um, yeah, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. But God has given his, he's with, like, been merciful for those who cry out and say, I'll take your solution. I'll take your love. His name is Jesus Christ. But anyways, Zephaniah 3.17, I think just really talks about how generous and rich God's love is. How forgiving he is. Man. I think about the woman pouring out the, the, the oil out on Jesus' feet and everyone judging her. And Jesus just brings this beautiful parable about those who are forgiven of much, love much. She wept and poured out a whole basic year's worth of wages. Can you imagine doing that? Take, taking a year's worth of your wages and just pouring it out on Jesus, the kingdom, the king. Hallelujah. Calculate. When you calculate something, calculated love is not love. I heard that this summer. It's beautiful. 
All right, Zephaniah 3. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start in 17. The Lord our God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Can we just pause over that? Do you, do you picture God pointing at you or and like, I can't believe you did that? Or have you ever pictured God singing over you today, this morning when you woke up? Did you join him and hear the song? I love when I wake up. Sometimes uh, I wake up and I'll hear Carrie or um, it's not too often, but I'll just hear singing in the house. And Carrie's singing uh, over the boys to the Lord. And it's just like, what a delightful sound. What a way to start your day. Can you hear God singing over you and delighting in you? It says, I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in. And at that time, I will gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before, the, before your eyes, says the Lord. When I restore your inheritance, your fortunes, what, what the enemy has taken. We're going to get to that here in a minute. But I had the honor and privilege of officiating a wedding yesterday, uh, some friends of ours, and just really reflecting, re-reflecting on marriage and the joy and the blessing that it is. But it was just beautiful thinking about the witnesses of a wedding and how they look at the bride and the groom and they're like, what incredible love as they pursue each other, as they glow looking at each other. But you know, the rest of the world is a witness to the bride of Christ. And as we draw closer to Jesus, people are going to witness that incredible love by a bride who desires, who has longed to be with her groom. How are we going to walk that out today? When we read Zephaniah 3.17, we just see God lavishing out his love generously to his bride. None of those words are meager. None of those words are just enough. That is an extravagant outpouring of love and embrace. We see this in Peter, in, in, in the story where Peter, at first he denies Jesus three times before Jesus dies. And Jesus, or Peter said, I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to abandon you. And he did. And he left and wept as Jesus was being crucified because he abandoned Jesus. But then you look at Jesus or Peter after the resurrection, and you don't see this condemned man, this man in shame. Like Zephaniah said, he's not going. He's going to remove our shame, not hold you in your shame. And Peter, instead of being shameful, they're out in this fishing boat. It's one of my favorite uh, parts of, of the gospel. They're out in this fishing boat, and Jesus has already ascended, or, or he's out. You know, he's going back and forth. And uh, showing up randomly on earth after his, his death. And he's out on the beach and he's cooking up some fish. And he's like, hey, you guys. And they're out, the, they're out in the water fishing. And as soon as Peter recognizes it, it's Jesus, 
He doesn't like scoot towards the back of the boat and says, man, I totally failed Jesus. I don't want to see him. I'm so ashamed. Like this is truly the living God. And I totally, totally failed. I can't believe it. He doesn't do that. No, Peter actually throws off his garments like because he's not swimming his rope and jumps in the water and starts swimming, you know, just going right for Christ. Everybody else is paddling like, Peter, wait for us. And like, I can't wait. I've got to see him, the one who forgives me and loves me. Forgives me and loves me. Went and embraced Jesus right away. That's a picture of God's generous love. Those who are forgiven much, love much. Peter understood this, and it changed who he was. He did miraculous things. I'm not going to, that's another sermon, probably. Okay, so it's Peter. But our problem is always making sin bigger than God. We don't see God being generous. We see our sin being so big that how can anybody be so generous, especially God, with their love for us? And God is saying, when are you going to stop making your sin bigger than me? God keeps on saying, stop stirring your heart up over your broken sin. Let your heart be broken over my love for you. I want to be generous with you. We think of generous like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. No, it, this is so much more. It is a person who is willing to be consistently with us, there for us. I think about just even characterized by this, this love and acceptance and approval called family. Generous, just think about a generous family presence. What does that look? What do you picture when you think of this generous family presence? When are we going to stop making it about us and start realizing it's all about God? Religion wants you to just get a good message out of today. It's for the week. It's your daily spoon feeding. But the heart of God wants you to ex experience him out of this message. Once you move, because when we're impacted by God, it's going to impact others. We're not going to count the cost when it goes to serving somebody. Or how many times have we been hurt or, or whatnot. It, it's loving our enemy generously like God has loved his enemy. We all realize that, right? We were once enemies of God, alienated from God, and God generously loved his enemy. And for all those who would say yes to Jesus, he gave the right to become in the kingdom of God. Luke 15, if you turn to Luke 15 with me, the prodigal son. Man, what a picture of generous love. Luke 15. I gotta turn there because I didn't print it out. Great. We have this story here, and just for time's sake, uh, I'm gonna give you the narrative. I want to encourage you guys to go back and read Zephaniah and Luke this week. Meditate on it. Camp out on it. Really begin to reflect on what God's about to share with you. We see this prodigal son who's broken. In fact, basically takes his inheritance and walks away from his family. And squanders it in the comforts and partying and just whatever he could do selfishness 
his own selfish life, his brokenness. Really, he didn't know anybody. He's lost in his brokenness. This is what I want. He couldn't see past what he wanted. And he went and squandered everything. And then he was dirt broke. So broke, he could barely find a job, and he's out there feeding pigs, and his food he had to share with the pigs. Uh, you know, pigs in the Jewish culture are pretty unclean. So he's there eating next to a pig and looking probably face to face and saying, there's got to be, my father's servants are treated better than this. I wonder if, if I come back and just humble myself, my father will allow me just to be a servant and work for him in his home. He goes to his father and he's walking from afar and he doesn't even get a chance to do anything before he sees his father get up and start running to him. Now imagine this, like, you know you've done something wrong. You know you don't deserve anything. You know what you've done. And yet you see the father running towards you. And this father runs and he embraces this filthy, dirty son. A son that back in the day would have been considered an enemy of his family after what he did. A son that was alienated from his family. And this father just picks him up and puts a clean robe on him, puts a ring back on his finger, basically gives him back a position in the family. He says, let's celebrate. This is worth celebrating. And the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one person who comes to the Lord, who gives their life to the Lord. They celebrate. This is, this is a story that God does every day, anytime a son comes back. That is crazy love. That is a love that, that's, that almost seems reckless. We sing that song sometimes, right? It's like, why, why would you do that? In fact, the older son in the family thought it was reckless. Like, I can't believe you're doing that for him. He, you know what he did. You know what he could do it again. Yes. But he, I love him. I love him. I want the best for him. And the son, the older son, so jaded. Well, you never do that for me. And now his older son gets to experience, be reminded of the generous love of his dad. Son, all that I have is God's given his all, you guys, to us. He was generous. He came down from heaven to earth, Jesus Christ. Not to be, not as a king would, not as you think a God would come, but as a servant. He gave his all. This is generous love. This is the love that we're to mirror. When we think, when we say, oh, love somebody because we're Christians, because we follow Jesus, how are you going to define that love? Are you defining that love by a cultural love from your old life? Are you defining that from a love that you just experienced in your family or friendship or, 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 or what? How are you defining that love? This love is generous. Again, calculated love is not love. And he has given us his all. Jesus said, Love your enemies. It's easy to love people who love you. That's easy. But what about people who don't love you? How are you showing them your love? The haters, are we, we griping and complaining about them? Are we being 
critical about people who don't even know Jesus. How is your life being marked today? There's a heightened sense right now in emotions and everything with what's going on culturally. And are we being marked by complaining or being critical? Or are we being marked by our love, our faith, our joy? How is your love being marked? How is it defining you? Are you being set apart and holy? Because when we're walking in that love, we experience holiness. We're automatically set apart the way Jesus was set apart. So my question for you is when you think about this, and we're talking about these kingdom cultures and walking this out, I want to close with this today. Have you experienced the love of God today for yourself? Have you experienced his generous, like do you, do you just stop and look at the sunrise and the sunset every day? Do you stop and realize, or are you just plowing through life, getting from one thing to the next? God, answer this prayer. Oh, you answered it. Okay, I did this. Answer this prayer now. Okay, I did this. Or are you stopping reflecting that he answered a prayer? Are you humbled? And, and what? I was just talking about this with Caleb this morning as he gave me a ride. Um, we we're talking about like just appreciating what God has done. Because we see the 10 lepers. One was healed. Out of the 10 lepers, all of them were healed. But one came back to just spend time with Jesus and say thank you. And Jesus said, because of this, you're made whole. You actually get to experience what I've given you in its fullness. You see, until we're walking in this love, we're really, and, 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 until we're walking in this courageous, sacrificial, generous love, we're really missing out on experiencing the fullness of God. Yes, one day we'll know him like we're known when we see him face to face, but you don't have to wait to experience God. You can begin to experience him in that relationship today. So have you done that? Is your heart broken over his love for you? Or are you just beating yourself up still and stuck on yourself and your old and your sins? Like God's like, yeah, I know you're imperfect. You didn't do anything to earn salvation. You just focus on what I'm doing with you and change will happen. Be broken over his love. Don't focus. Hallelujah. The Bible says that worldly sorrow leads to death. Worldly repentance, basically. Worldly grief over your brokenness will lead to death. But godly repentance leads to life. It means we we realize we're broken, but we realize we're broken because we see how incredible God's love is for us. In fact, it says the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. It's his love. It's not his condemnation. It's not us realizing how bad we are in light of. It's his generous love and realizing, like, I don't deserve this. I don't. Why? I can't believe this. And just basking in this, being soaked in this, spending time with God, getting to the point to where you, you just, you count. You consider the cost when you love. You calculate it. Or you're just like, nope, I love you. I'm ready to serve because God served me. I'm ready to forgive because God forgave me. I'm ready to love you because God loved me. Take time to reflect on these things. Take time to reflect on this kingdom culture aspect. Don't let these things that we read and how you're defined as a Christian just be words 
something on a t-shirt, something on an Instagram post. Let it be a lifestyle that you pursue. It's not going to be perfect, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. It's not going to be perfect. But God didn't ask us to be perfect. He asked us to be willing. And he'll work through that willingness. And his perfection will be will grow. So speaking of responding, like reflecting, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to that? We have three people here today that um, are, have just really... They've looked at the gospel. They've tested the gospel. They are still testing. Like, we still, like, God's faithful to his promises. And now, they're like, Lord, where else can we go? Even when it's hard, even when I don't understand. I can't believe you love me. I can't believe that you're providing a way. We're going to celebrate that today. I want you to think about that. What's your response? How are you going to respond? Is it like Peter where there's no shame and like, Lord, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to look like that person getting out of the boat. Like, I just want to be with you. Now, nothing wrong with the other 12. They all kept their clothes on. They kept, you know, going towards Jesus. But about each relationship, each marriage. I can't help but think about marriage with a fish eating the way yesterday. Each marriage is unique. I think about Mike and Marilyn here. I think about uh, Caleb and Michelle. I think about Nick and Tally. I just think about uh, all of our couples here. We have so many couples here, families here, and each one is unique. Their relationships are unique. Your relationship with God is going to be unique. But I pray that just as these couples here pursue each other, that you're marked by the way you pursue God in the same or even greater way. Right? The way you would pursue a loved one, someone you want to spend time with. And if you're struggling with that, talk to one of us. We'd be happy to do that. All right, well, let's pray it out. And I'm going to have uh, our worship team come back up. And, um, yeah. Hallelujah. We just thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you um, that you are faithful. We thank you that you're generous. God, thank you for showing us uh, just how generous you are. If we've missed all of creation surrounding us, how can we miss the fact that you've given your only begotten Son? When we look at the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, how can we go anywhere else? Where else can we turn? That is the most generous picture of love. And I know that if we mirror that, for all of eternity, we'll never look back and regret a moment of it. Lord, help us be a people that are marked by your love. Not a worldly way of loving people, but the way you love people. A courageous, sacrificial, and generous love. Yes, these things are my name, Christ Jesus.